Well, good afternoon, everyone. It is 1 o'clock on Tuesday, March 21st. We're celebrating Philanthropy Week here at SU, so it's a busy week for me, but not too busy to have an awesome episode of Advancement Live. I'm your host, Kim Brown, and on today's live broadcast, we're talking about a really important topic, especially as May approaches, and that is the transition from a senior, from a student, the comfort of being on a college campus into the alumni world. So how do we ensure that our students, some of our most engaged students, and maybe some of those who really weren't that engaged while in school, really become alumni who are connected with us, who want to hear from us for life. And we're gonna talk about some of the best programs, uh, for alumni when they graduate, what really keeps them connected, and how do we best communicate um, the benefit of being an alum of our different institutions. So Advancement Live is part of the Higher Ed Live Network. It is an episode that offers you direct access to the best and brightest minds in higher education. And you can be part of our live broadcast by sharing your knowledge and participating in today's discussion. I'll be monitoring Twitter. Uh, the hashtag to check out is hashtag higher ed live if you have anything to add to the conversation any questions throughout for any of our panelists please do use that hashtag and i will be happy to add in your comments or ask your questions all of our episodes are free they're easy to access in the video archives at higheredlive.com or you can take higher ed live with you on the go and subscribe to our podcast Today's episode is made possible by iModules, and they're actually out with a white paper called Connecting with New Graduates. It offers strategies to effectively engage with recent graduates in a way that fosters lifelong relationships, and we will be tweeting the link to that white paper during today's episode. Hired Live is produced by M. Stoner, which is a digital-first agency committed to tailored solutions that drive real results. And of course, here we are. We wouldn't be anywhere without our guests for this afternoon. We have two guests from Northwestern University, and also we have my friend Mirko from iModules. Uh, we want to give a shout out to Michael Scrove from Cortland, who was supposed to join us today until a work emergency took him away from us. So I will introduce you to Bobby Dunlap, who is Associate Director of Recent Alumni Engagement at Northwestern University. He manages programming to encourage the engagement of, as his title says, young alumni. He has his bachelor's degree from Miami University and a master's degree from the Ohio State University. Do you like how I did that, Bobby? Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> and then we also have Mirko Wiedenhorn, who is from iModules. He's senior account manager and client consultant. He's coming to us from Pennsylvania today. He was at Wilkes University uh, prior to joining iModules as Director of Alumni Relations and Annual Giving. And in his role now, he really works with all iModules clients to help reach their goals utilizing the Encompass system. So he's got some great perspective to offer today. He has his bachelor's from Drew University and his master's from the College of Europe. And last but not least, we have Caitlin, also from Northwestern University. She is the Assistant Director of the Student to Alumni Transition. I love that title, and we're gonna get into that a little bit more as the episode progresses. She really works with engaging graduating seniors and, and young alumni uh, with life skills classes, which is some really neat programming. And so we'll have Caitlin uh, talk about that on today's episode, but I promised I would zip it. I would let our guests do all the talking this afternoon. So I'm gonna jump right in. Uh, hot off the presses, Mirko has a, a new study that iMods just did about engaged students and what that means in terms of your graduates. So I'm gonna have 
um, Mirko kick us off this afternoon and talk a little bit about that student engagement piece and how that translates into engaged alumni. So Mirko, what'd you find? Great, thanks Kim. So we actually looked at uh, a large public university in the Midwest and we looked at about four years of student and alumni data. And what we wanted to see is whether alumni who were engaged as students were more engaged on the alumni side once they graduated. Now, I think we all think in our heads that that's absolutely the case, but now we actually have some exciting data to, to show that. Uh, so we looked at about 24,000 uh, constituents. Again, this was a large public university in the Midwest. Uh, and we looked at whether they were involved in at least one student organization while they were on campus, and then looked at their alumni engagement, looking at uh, event participation, whether they've made a donation to the institution, or uh, whether they joined the dues-paying alumni association that that institution happens to have. So again, whether they were involved in a student org, and then those three alumni categories. And we looked at four years of data with the most recent graduates. And what we found was pretty significant. So again, I think we all believe that there's more engagement from that group. Uh, but for alumni who were engaged in at least one student organization while on campus, they were 300 time percent as likely to attend an alumni event Wow. after graduation, and they were 10 times as likely to make a donation uh, in those first three years. So incredible variation between those who were involved in just one student org compared to those students who were not engaged uh, with through student activities. So tell me that one more time because I'm totally tweeting it and totally missed it as I was typing it. Alumni who or students who were involved in at least one student org were 10 times more likely to make a gift in their first three years out of school. Did I get that correct? You did. Yes. Awesome. And then I heard the 300% more likely to attend an alumni event. Exactly. Awesome. All right. Well, we'll definitely share those. That's great. Uh, Bobby and Caitlin, in your, in your experience, would you say that that's kind of what you've seen, that those students who were most, you know, engaged on campus were then more likely to be at your alumni events and, and perhaps even giving to Northwestern? Yeah, I think it definitely follows. Um, we do, um, in our programming and the team that Caitlin and I work on, our goal is to never really lose um, the students. Um, so it's not necessarily um, refining our recent alumni, it's uh, engaging them from the moment that they're on campus. And we have a third colleague who works on our half of the team that we work on um, who does our student engagement. So from the moment that they step on campus, we're making them aware of the alumni association and the work that we do and engaging them in different ways throughout their undergraduate experience, then leading into Caitlin's senior programming and out into young alumni programming so that rather than trying to find people again, we're engaging them throughout their experience. And that doesn't necessarily, um, it's not necessarily limited to our program specifically. We also engage with other student organizations um, to ensure that um, the Alumni Association is, is at the forefront of their mind throughout their undergraduate experience. Anything to add to that, Caitlin? No, I would think, I would completely agree. I would say um, we work to keep the students who are really engaged um, as students, as active alumni. So whether they're involved in some of our senior week committees or with our colleagues with this class gift committee, um, those are kind of the students that we then call on and recommend to our board or to the various alumni clubs as really great volunteers. So um, we kind of try and keep them in our pipeline without burning them out too much. I think that's something we worry about. Um, 
but yeah, we are always calling on those students because we know that they love Northwestern, they're excited about it, and we know we can rely on them. I think that's always a hard part with volunteer management is finding reliable volunteers. So you know if they're working hard as a student when they're crazy involved with a million things that they're gonna be great when they're alumni as well. Do you ever get the reaction from students, especially on the younger side, or, or honestly, you could say for the seniors too, where it's like, no, like, don't talk to me about being an alum. Like, that's really scary. Like, I'm not, no. And, and how do you manage that fear uh, among students? If there that is, is something I was warned about when I started. So my position was new and the person actually in Bobby's position before was kind of working, he did a couple um, senior programs as well, but not quite to the extent that it's grown into um, in my role. But he sent an email out once to um, the seniors and it had like a countdown of like how many days till commencement and he got like hate mail after that. <laughs> uh, so everyone was like, don't do that, don't do that. Um, so we always, I'm always trying to make sure to like remind them that they're soon gonna be graduating without making it really blunt or scary sounding. Um, and I'm like, I try to be honest when I talk to them in person too, like we're not trying to freak you out, but this is gonna happen, like whether you like it or not. Um, so yes, it's definitely kind of this fine line we walk of like, make sure you enjoy your time here, but also be prepared for life after. Right. right. So what would you say, um, you know, one of the big things we're going to talk about on today's episode is we know how to reach them when they're on campus with us. Uh, we know how to, I know my colleague who works with our students, she has an amazing group me chat that's going and she can just really easily talk to her students because that's where they're at. What have you found is the best way to get contact information so that it's easy to reach those and this is probably for you Bobby and then even for Mirko for some of the best practices that you've seen from schools getting that contact information at what works in terms of talking to young alumni like what's going to capture their attention when you do contact them well I guess I'll talk about collecting it and then Bobby can talk about the communication side because we do most of the collection through during senior year and then one of my programs so we have um, some of our marketing team is at Cap and Gown Pickup with us. We're handing out some senior gifts to students, but then the marketing team always has laptops set up to have them signing into our Northwestern, our iModules platform um, to collect their updated email address at the very least, if not their uh, mailing address, if they know what that's going to be. Okay. Um, so we, they've kind of, we generally try and set that up at cap and gown pickup so that they think that they have to do it like it's part of like them being there so them thinking that they need to do that before they can leave has worked well um and then also i host new chapter new neighbors which is a welcome event series in september um, all over the world about 20 cities each year and um, that registration form i require email address and um, mailing address it's a free event but essentially they're paying me with their updated contact information, hopefully. So every year we get a few hundred contact updates through that event registration. And that's, I think, been kind of our two most successful contact update processes. On the form that you have them do at Cap and Gown, um, and we tried this last year, we used iModules and, and faced a little bit of a battle um, with some colleagues who wanted to ask a lot of questions. Um, and you can see what my feeling was about asking a lot of questions when you're trying to get just an email address. Uh, what were the questions that you had on that form and that you'll have again this May at Cap and Gown? So it wasn't actually even um, a form that we had. We just had them log into the platform. Um, and okay. so they have to do that through an email. Through Gmail is usually kind of the most common way that they sign into the platform. And so it's collecting that information. 
um, right away and making sure that they're kind of connected to that system. Um, so that's the big thing. I don't think we ask any other questions. It's really simple and straightforward and makes them think this is this formal process of like officially signing into like the alumni world, I think. Um, so yeah, we keep it as simple as possible and as quick as possible because it's hundreds of students coming through that day. So yeah. Before I move on to Bobby and the actual communicating with them, Mirko, anything to add on that front in terms of best practices you've seen from your clients, like what works in terms of getting the new info? Yeah, so I think Northwestern is in a great position because they have this grad day that they can participate in, which mm -hmm. is similar to what we've done at a previous school as well. Uh, but not every school may have that opportunity or may not have built those bridges to student affairs or uh, the registrar's office to be able to be at that event. So I think that would definitely be a takeaway is something to think about if you're not currently there. But if you're in a situation where you don't have access to students there, you need to think of other ways to try to encourage those um, information updates or those, those contact updates. And I think the critical element is really that email address. We know this group of, of students or young alumni are moving around a lot. So the home mailing address, yeah, it's, it's beneficial, but realistically, six months from now is going to be different right. or three months from now. So getting that email address, I think, is a key driver. And just looking at any way that you can interact with a senior class and, and encourage them to share that as you get closer to senior week. Maybe it's sponsoring a senior week event uh, and having them fill out something either online or even if it's just a, a cut sheet of paper with first name, last name, and non-school email address. It requires manual data entry, but at least you're still getting that information. And I think that that should be the focus on whatever you're trying to do is, is just trying to get that email address from people. Um, I just talked about the non-school email address. I think that's also really important if you are doing an online form. Uh, a lot of times you just put an email address and they'll give their school email address. Well, they're probably not going to check that as much once they've graduated. So putting the emphasis on, okay, your non-Wilkes or your non-Syracuse email address uh, often allows you to get that Gmail or whatever other uh, email they might be using after graduation. Awesome. So Bobby, Caitlin's done her job. She's gotten <laughs> all those emails for you. Then what? what? What happens from there? And what do you do in order to, you know, create enticing communications that, you know, once you got the goods, the email address, folks actually look at what you're sending? Yeah, so I think there's a couple of things that we do that I think are particularly effective. Um, we, a few years back, we started class newsletters for what will ultimately be the first five classes out. Um, so we have 13 on the 13th, 14 on the 14th, 15 on the 15th, 16 on the 16th. Next year, we'll be adding 17 on the 17th. And then the following year, we're going to cycle off 13 on the 13th and add on 18 on the 18th. So we'll be running five concurrently at any given time. Um, it's, it's a lot of work generating the content and things like that, but um, one of the things that we, we do in that, um, in that newsletter is at the bottom, we use um, tokens um, to put what, what we have for their current address in there, including their email address, um, so that they can see at the bottom of this newsletter that hopefully they're reading. Um, and we do have good good open rates on that. I mean, we're in the 30s for most of those um, for open rates, um, which is pretty good for for ours. Um, 
And um, so at, at the bottom of every email, they'll see this token that tells what we have for their for their address. So hopefully that's and a link to update it um, in every month that they're getting this newsletter. Um, so that's hopefully encouraging them to update their address. The other one that we do is since we do so much regionally based program programming, um, Northwestern has young alumni in um, the five major, five biggest cities in the U.S. So um, Chicago, New York, D.C., L.A., San Francisco. We have big alumni populations there. So we're doing a lot of regional programming, um, things that um, that are specifically for people in these certain cities. Um, and if you aren't updating your address with us or your email address, you're not getting invited to these things. So it's it's very engagement focused um, that we're, we're, our message to them is like, let us know where you are and how to contact you or else you're gonna miss out on these great opportunities. And hopefully we're creating opportunities that are particularly enticing for people so that they want to engage with us. Um, and I think that we do a fairly good job of that um, to um, building on that new chapter, new neighbors um, mentality that we're, we're getting them first where they live and, and engaging them in, in regional activity and um, building the, um, the um, information sharing from there. I, let's go to new chapter, new neighbors. I think I've got a question about that yeah. a little later on, but maybe it would be your answer uh, anyway, Caitlin, if I were to ask, well, let's go, what was the most successful program that both you and Bobby, or didn't? maybe you didn't run together, maybe you ran it at different institutions, um, ran for your seniors or for recent alumni? And if it is new chapter, new neighbors, then perfect. And if not, we'll talk about that as the show progresses. Um, well, I would say that one is the most successful young alumni program I do, and it's kind of the big young alumni one I do. I do one or two other kind of career programs for recent graduates, but that's kind of my main program for zero-year alumni, as we call them, so our most recent grads. Um, so when I started here in like July 2014, I think it was, um, it was just an idea, and it kind of, they'd gotten the ball rolling a little bit. Um, so my position was brand new and so almost all my programs are brand new so i had to get a it, an international event series put together by september um so the first year we had this event in nine cities um seven domestic and two international um and then the next year in 2015 i hosted it in 19 cities around the world so 13 domestic six international with around eight or nine hundred people attending um so i and it's grown since then with attendees, but um, I think it's just been a nice way for us to kind of engage recent graduates where we're not necessarily asking them for money, we're just kind of wanting to connect them with the community that they live in. Um, something that I've built on the last couple of years is the post event email for that. So um, mm -hmm. it's an email, we send all our communications out through iModules, but it includes um, information for getting in touch with the club. So all their social media platforms that they're involved in, their kind of landing page, ways to connect with them, um, as well as some upcoming events. So usually for us in the fall, that's football game watches, which most of our cities do. So it's giving them something else that they can do again right away in their new city. So um, I think it's just a fun program that um, really gets them connected and excited about being a part of the alumni community. Um, for seniors, it's really our, I started doing some early graduate dinners. We're on the quarter system. So we have a lot of people who finish in December and March. And so this is a way for us to connect them with really engaged alumni leaders through our alumni association board, as well as some of our affinity in uh, the Chicago club. And it's just a nice way to celebrate them and recognize them since they may not be able to come back for 
graduation or senior week. So that's been kind of a successful program that I've grown over the last couple of years. On New Chapter, New Neighbors, how much of it is your legwork versus the clubs? Because I know a lot of schools will do that, you know, welcome to the city event or yeah. self landing event or whatever the schools will call it. But there's sometimes a push and pull between how much the club does versus how much you uh, as the institution does. What's the balance there for Northwestern? That's an excellent question. Um, <laughs> it's a lot of work. Um, so as far as my responsibilities, I for four of our five major cities and possibly adding New York City back in, they kind of had their own event for a while that we kind of just pulled into ours. Um, I book a space and pay for some appetizers, things like that, and do all of the event planning. Generally, we have a, a volunteer from the club or that we know that's a young alumni, uh, young alumnus in that city um, that helps as far as picking a neighborhood or a cool venue that they think will actually draw young alumni. We know that we're not experts. I've only lived in a few cities around the country, so I don't know that much about all of them. Um, so they really help with that. But for the smaller markets, they we generally have them find a venue, book the space, um, and we give them a stipend to help pay for some appetizers um, or whatever they would like to pay for with that. And I set up all the event, event pages. So that's building 19 event pages. I have a landing page that links to all of those. I'm building all the registrations. And I personally, I'm kind of a control freak, I guess. So I send out all of the email marketing. So I think I added it up last year. I don't remember what the number was for um, the events this past September, but you know, it's like close to a hundred emails that I personally built all of and sent out. Um, but we have, I, I like getting those out, but we, the club includes them in their newsletters and they promote them on their social media pages, but I do all of that legwork. So that includes them sending them the registration pages and then sending out all 19 of those post-event email messages and building those as well. So it's a lot of work. I could delegate a little bit more of it, but I think it's nice to have kind of some consistency across the marketing and the post-event email messaging, especially just to make sure that there's good solid content in those. Um, so yeah, so it's a little bit of the volunteers and a lot of the volunteers are then managing the events. I can only be at one event. Sometimes I'll have colleagues fly out to a couple of them, but lately, I think, I think last year we didn't send anyone to any of them. We were just at the Chicago event, which is our biggest one. And um, we just have volunteers running them. And we, I try and do a good job of kind of training them and making sure that they feel empowered to run the event um, and having faith that they will send me the registration sheet afterwards so I know who came. Um, so yeah, it's a little bit of delegation, but a lot of personal work on it. Awesome. All right, Bobby, how about you? The most successful program you've done for the young alumni that you work to engage? Yeah, so we've started um, this new overall concept. Um, it's it's nothing necessarily revolutionary, and I'm pretty sure we borrowed it from another institution as we tend <laughs> to, um, but we've been um, running this program we branded as Northwestern Opening Doors. Um, so what we've done, and this is kind of in line with that um, regional engagement idea that if you're providing events regionally that are really enticing for folks, then they're more likely to let you know that they're living in a certain community or living in a certain city. So Opening Doors, um, it came out of a conversation conversations I was having with another colleague and he had connections to um, to a couple of different local businesses that had cool spaces that that we could have access to because we had Northwestern alumni working in those spaces. Um, so we built it out from there and created programs throughout the country. So we did 
um, a panel of people who work locally in brewing and beer distribution industry, and we called that Careers in Beers. Um, we did an event at a local, um, there's a shoe company here called Bucket Feet here in Chicago. It's also in DC that's um, owned by a Northwestern alum, and he kind of shared his story, and we had drinks and some appetizers in the store. Um, that's we did um, an event at NASA, um, Johnson Space Center um, in Houston, where the director of robotics is, is an alum, and so he kind of gave a behind-the-scenes tour there. Um, we also did an event at the Getty Museum um, because our senior, the senior curator of manuscripts is an alumna. So we've created these um, events in different regions that are, um, that are hopefully appealing and giving our alumni access to spaces that they wouldn't have but for these Northwestern connections or things that might be out of the, um, out of the reach financially for, for people, but um, subsidizing them and creating an opportunity where they can access a space. Like Caitlin was just out in Seattle for me for um, an event we did at Chihuly Garden and Glass because wow. the, uh, an alumna is um, the director of sales there. So um, creating these regionally based events where um, our alumni in Seattle um, see that we're providing them with access to something that's cool to the Seattle area um, creates some excitement, hopefully, around the, the Alumni Association and a feeling of continued value for being involved with the institution, um, that you're getting access to these unique experiences. We're opening the doors to, to these experiences for you. Um, and I, I mean, it's, it's both, I mean, frustrating and satisfying when I get an email from somebody saying like, well, why didn't I get invited to this? I'm in Seattle. I was like, well, your information isn't up to date with us or I've been using an outdated email. I'm happy to update that for you so that you can get the most up to date or most um, relevant information to your, um, to where you are right now. Awesome. So when you have these events, have you found a way to incorporate into the pre-event post-event, the event itself, the, you know, you're experiencing this because you've stayed connected with Northwestern, now pave the way. Like, I think that's starting to permeate more of the alumni engagement world these days. And I'm just wondering if you guys have started to do that. Mirko, maybe if you've got some ideas from clients on, on kind of incorporating that into the event model. Yeah, we, um, we tend to keep that um, to the post-event email, um, and we do work with our giving colleagues to, to tailor some of those messages in our post-event email um, to say like, hey, like, like you said, like um, you've, you've remained connected, now are you interested in giving? Um, but we do try and keep our events um, fairly engagement focused um, because we want to show that there is continued value that we're providing for our alumni before we're necessarily asking them for um, for financial contributions to the institution. Another thing that we've done with all of our events, including New Chapters, New, New Chapter, New Neighbors, and the Opening Doors events, is that we're engaging people as volunteers and marking them as such in our database. That that no volunteer experience is too small for us to note it in our database. Um, that whether it's you helping us to identify. So when I'm planning these Opening Doors events. Um, I, I talk with alumni first who live in that area and because like Caitlin said, I've only lived in a few different cities. Um, right. so I don't necessarily know what the Seattle experience is like for alumni and what they're interested in, in um, what they're interested in experiencing. So I'll work with the volunteers first and get a list of experiences that they're looking to have. 
Then I work from there with our major gifts colleagues, with our other, other giving colleagues to identify the people who are well-placed at those institutions so that I can build an event around that. And then I take that volunteer experience, so the, the individuals who have helped me out with identifying those experiences or maybe help me out with um, registration, uh, in, on, on-site check-in and things like that. And I'll mark that in our database for our event, um, post-event, that, that they volunteered in some way for us so that when they are solicited later on, that they're solicited as a volunteer, not necessarily as part of the general population of alumni, um, so that um, those, those messages hopefully become more resonant and are more meaningful for them because it is tailored to that experience that they've actually had. Perfect. I want to take a quick pause. We have about 50 people watching us live. No pressure, folks, but um, it's great to have so many people along with us this afternoon. And just a reminder that if you do have anything to add, if you've had a great program, if you have a question for Bobby, a question for Caitlin, a question for Mirko, uh, please tweet it using the hashtag HigherEdLive. I'm keeping track of that while asking questions and listening. So I'm happy to to ask your questions as well. Mirko, anything to add on the conversation about you know, schools incorporating the post-event surveying, the post-event ask, uh, anything that you've seen that's worked particularly well? So I think Caitlin and Bobby have hit on it. it I think a lot of schools forget about the importance of that follow-up and using that somebody just attended an event to ask for something, even if it's just updated contact information or letting people know about an upcoming event, whatever it is, but that's critical. They've just engaged with you in a different way. Um, they've most likely had a very good experience at this event. So that, that's the perfect opportunity to, to get them to take that next step and whatever you, you choose to make that. I think having an ask there is, is perfectly acceptable. It shouldn't be the main focus of it, or it shouldn't be the only focus. Uh, making sure they're linked to the social media pages, uh, like Bobby or Caitlin had mentioned that they're aware of what else is going on in the regional location or with the institution. There are any number of ways to, to ask for that follow-up or engage them in that follow-up. I think that's a really important element, not just for our young alumni events, but for all of the alumni events. And I think it's often one that schools tend to forget about because they're like, yes, we made it through another event. And now the next one starts two days from now. So uh, it's a little thing, but it does make a difference for, for those people. Um, Post-event surveys are a great thing if you're going to use the data. Uh, so again, I mean, you're going can, to use the data key, exactly. right? Exactly. It's like, don't waste people's time taking a survey if you're not going to do anything with it. Um, if you have a small staff, it, it probably doesn't make sense to do those post-event surveys because you'll have a sense of whether people like the event or not and what you might want to change. And you're not going to have time to look at that data set and actually make some data-driven decisions on it. So also think about that in terms of what you're asking people to do as a follow-up. If you're not going to do anything with the information, don't ask them for it because in a way you're wasting their time. They don't know that, but what's the point? A uh, couple other things I just wanted to mention sure. uh, based on what, what Bobby and Caitlin had said. So obviously Northwestern has a, a relatively large staff and they have a team dedicated to recent alumni engagement with it, which is awesome. Me having come from a school with an alumni team of three people, we might have been four at one point, it's a little different. So I think you have to carve out what you can do um, given your staff size. But a lot of the elements I think are, are important. So one thing to think about is just your communication flow after graduation. So I think a lot of us just tend to throw in the, the recent grads with the overall communications that come from the institution. And there's a disjoint there for them. They don't know what the normal communication cycle is uh, mm -hmm. from alumni, from the alumni office. 
and all of a sudden they're starting to get newsletters and probably solicitations, although hopefully you wait to solicit them a few months after graduation. Uh, I'd be interested to hear Northwestern's approach on that. But again, just thinking about that communication strategy right after graduation, maybe it's a series of four emails that come once a week or once every two weeks, um, letting them know the benefits of being an alum and highlighting some of the upcoming events or again, whatever it is, uh, but not just having them start getting the e-newsletter out of the blue and expecting them to understand what this is communicating to them. Yeah, Bobby, when do you start the, like when will 17 on the 17th start? Is that the first communication uh, class of 2017 grad will get from Northwestern? Yeah, so I'll, um, we mention it in the commencement letter. That's kind of a congratulatory message that comes out from our executive director of the Alumni Association, which we, is an email, it was formerly a letter that was included with the graduation gift. Um, but when I started, we made it an email because I didn't want to waste paper and I figured it would be read um, as an email probably more often than as a piece of paper. So in that message, we send it the Thursday before commencement, which is always a Friday here. Um, it has a really, really high open rate with the seniors. It's very much congratulatory, but it also links to a lot of really useful information on things that I mentioned like club, social media, um, our like career webinars page, page um, some other, our mentorship platform, things like that. Um, but it also mentions, um, I'm glad I just looked at this letter today, so I remember it was in there. <laughs> we, mentioned, um, we mentioned the newsletters. So I was looking at the 2016 one. It said, look out for the first edition of the 16 on the 16th newsletter, which is a newsletter just for your class. The first edition will come out on August 16th. So we always wait until August. So uh, I'm busy planning new chapter new neighbors from like May-ish through September, but we generally have the first communication be the newsletter and it's the new chapter neighbors is one of the featured kind of events in there um, but we try and leave them alone since we don't graduate until um, June they kind of have July off from us give them a little bit of breathing room and then we start with the newsletters and start with the promotion emails for new chapter new neighbors in August so we try and warn them and let them know what the newsletters are in that email um, like I said, a lot of them are opening and hopefully reading to the bottom of. Um, but yeah, we don't just cold send them the newsletter. We try and give a little bit of kind of context to it, if that makes sense. And I think last year we included a little welcome message at the yeah. top of it from me, I think, because it always comes from my name. Um, most of my emails come directly from my name as opposed to the Alumni Association, just to make it a little bit more personable and increase open rates, um, which seems to work pretty well. So. Um, I think we had a little message saying like, this is what this is. Again, just kind of like reiterating that this is who I am. We had our bios. I think we do that kind of every fall. This is a reminder of like who we are and how we can help and why they can reach out to us, that kind of thing. Yeah, and I can't say what our, um, the exact um, uh, communication strategy is for our giving colleagues on the annual giving side, right. but our fiscal year starts on September 1st. Um, so anybody who had given a senior class gift is counted in that fiscal year and they wouldn't get any messaging um, regarding um, additional gifts until after August 31st at the very earliest. Um, so, um, so that kind of helps give us that buffer that we need to create, um, create a, a feeling that the first thing that your university is asking you isn't necessarily a gift, isn't for more money. It's a free so, party. Yeah, exactly. That it's a free party um, is the first thing that we're, we're telling you about. I, um, I'm wondering, so the content, all I keep thinking about when you're talking about these newsletters is how in the world are you coming up with content? 
what is in those newsletters and, and what have you found to be most effective? Yeah, so there's a couple of different regular features in there. So usually we have, um, it's a two column email for us built all through iModules. Um, and so on the one sidebar, we have upcoming events um, in various regions. And then we always have, we have a weekly webinar series. Um, so, um, so we always have upcoming webinars that we populate in there. Um, and then we always do at the top of the email is our ask an alum feature. Um, so we have two common questions. So what have you been up to since graduation and how do you stay connected to Northwestern? And then we do a um, seasonally based question um, for the third one that we're featuring these alumni and we have a form that we built where people can nominate others. So um, we have a pretty, pretty healthy list of people that we can continue to work through. So it's just a matter of getting them to respond to us in a timely fashion as we're building these emails monthly. Um, so from there, we usually do a featured story from um, our campus newspaper. So that content is already built. Um, so all we have to do is throw a headline in there and, and the lead of the story. Um, and then we do um, things that are relevant to, um, to the time. Um, so we have two meetings a month um, regarding it. One is a content driving meeting and the other is a, an editing meeting. Um, and we just uh, it's it's we don't we try not to make it too long, but um, the 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 newsletters themselves. But um, they usually have five featured stories in them, I'd say, including our regular features like the Ask an Alum and the the story from the student newspaper. Um, outside of that, we do um, things that might be relevant to their class or um, something that's happening on campus or things like that. I love it. I'm like, I'm amazed. I, 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 I want to do classes. It's not a struggle. Some months it's a little harder, but we yeah. try and include like a giving campaign. We have a lot. We have a young alumni giving team. So they often have fun campaigns going on. So we'll try and include those every other month, not every month, but as often as they happen without being too much. We include reunions in there during that season, um, athletics when it's relevant. We try and feature like non, like athletics that you don't always hear about. So like, not football and basketball. Not football and basketball. So other sports that um, have cool stories. Um, for the recent grads, there's always a thing in December of like your school news or your school email is going to expire. Here is what you need to do. Um, so they change that so that if they haven't given us their non-Northwestern email address, um, they can update that with us or forward that email from Northwestern to their Gmail or whatever it is. So things like that that are useful. We try and do some career resources occasionally. Um, so we try and vary it as much as possible and not be too repetitive, really. But then Ask an Alum is the most popular section. I think this alumni really like hearing from their classmates and the 2016 class specifically has been really enthusiastic. I have a huge like weight <laughs> on Ask an Alums for that one. So we have enough for like probably two years at this point. Um, so it's fun to see how excited they get about that and how honored they are to be asked to be a part of the newsletter. We've talked pretty significantly about reaching them via email. Uh, and again, I want to loop Mirko in if there's anything you've seen uh, from other clients. But anything that you found particularly successful, whether it's you know sponsored Facebook campaigns or anything that you've done on social media that's worked to reach maybe the students who didn't give you updated contact info, who graduate from college and never check email again. Like, have you found anything particularly effective on social of reaching out to your seniors and your, your young alumni? Yeah, paid ads um, on Facebook. They're not super expensive and you can target them regionally. You can target them by all sorts of different, um, different um, criteria. Um, those tend to be very effective for us. We use those, I mean, it, 
almost always if we if we're pushing registrations for events that aren't getting um, the the traction that we want. Um, so that's that's always been a really um, useful tool for us. Um, I'd say, I mean, as far as email goes, like one of our strategies is we we've started doing a lot of institutional replies. Um, so it's where we mock up the email to look like it's coming from one of their classmates. Um, so it's like for new chapter, new neighbors, or other events that are regionally focused, um, after we've sent our initial email blasts, we'll build an email and ask ask a volunteer um, to help us out and volunteer their name for for an email. And so it'll look like it comes from Jack in San Francisco, um, and he's inviting you to this event. Um, and we'll use we'll use our email so he doesn't get all the reply tos like the auto okay. auto replies. But um, but it'll still look like um, it's coming from him. And the open rates for that are really astronomical. They like double. They at least double the open rates. And it's funny seeing all the replies to it that they send to Jack. <laughs> They're like, oh, this is Yeah, yeah. Thanks for inviting me, Jack. I'm sorry I can't make it. Or I'm excited to meet you there. It's usually stuff that you don't have to reply to. Thank goodness. <laughs> but um, it's always funny how well it works. But the open rates are crazy. Like I usually do that as one of my second or third new chapter, new neighbors emails, and it just takes that email I already built, and he's essentially like kind of like forwarding it to them, replying to it. So it still has that email I already created, but it has kind of a looks like he wrote a little message like, hey, just want to make sure you saw this um, kind of message above it. And it works super well. It's been like one of our favorite go-to things. I've started seeing it in my inbox from companies, which I always laugh at. Um, so it, I think it's becoming a more common thing. So hopefully it doesn't lose its usefulness. Um, I worry about that now. Is but it also signed by Jack? It comes from Jack's and he signs it. Exactly. We send a message. We kind of like, usually with some of the volunteers, like, I don't care what you write, but some of them kind of like, we'll edit it a little bit to make it sound more like them. But usually it's kind of the same message from each of them, but it's only going to the alumni in their city. So, yeah. Interesting. We had a question, Bobby, on the class-specific newsletters. Is it going to your traditional undergrads, or are you also sending to masters and, and doctoral students? From, yeah, like, it, go it's ahead. going to undergrads. Um, so our our charge, Caitlin and mine both, is that we're responsible for engaging people who are ten year. Uh, for mine, it's ten years or fewer out from their undergraduate experience to kind of hit um, that um, quote unquote traditional aged population because that's what the bulk of our student body is for undergraduates. Perfect, Mirko. I, I don't want to forget about you. Anything to add to to that conversation? I'm going to steal like everything Northwestern does with the with the, the sly center <laughs> name as well. Um, anything that you've seen from your clients come through that's been unique? Yeah, so just to, to circle back on a couple of things that Northwestern had mentioned and just to put some more even data around it. So Caitlin had mentioned a while back using her name to send emails. We just did an analysis of all um, emails sent for, I think, a one-year period. We looked at 140-some thousand email campaigns and categorized them all. And we found that emails sent from an individual, even if it said alumni relations after the name, had a higher open rate than those sent from just the Office of Alumni Relations. So Caitlin pointed that out for the young alumni population there, but I actually think it applies across the board. So if right now you're sending most of your emails from institution name or office name, try changing up the from name because it, it makes it seem different that's from an individual. Now your newsletter in most circumstances, you might not want to have come from an individual because that's not um, a very segmented communication. So then there's a disjoint. Um, aside from Northwestern 16 on the 16th type of example, which clearly is, is very segmented. 
the other thing I've seen work for, again, some smaller institutions is even just making tweaks to the newsletter that they send out to most of their alumni constituents. So uh, picking a story that might be of more interest to recent alumni and putting that at the top of the newsletter uh, and still repurposing a lot of the existing content from the other newsletter. Uh, but it gives it a little bit of a different feel. And then you can target your recent alumni population a little bit differently. Uh, so there are a number of ways, I think, to do it, whether you're a small shop or a much larger shop, um, to try to get more of that personalized and segmented communication in. And I love the idea about um, the follow-up from a quote-unquote alum uh, about for an event. Uh, and I think that'll work for any population, actually, not just recent alumni. Awesome. Well, as we, I can't believe it's 1.45 already. Like, how did that happen? Holy moly, we're just chatting away here. Um, as we as we wrap up our episode, I want to make sure, Caitlin, that you talk a little bit about some of the life skills programming that you're teaching. Um, I think it's specifically to seniors. Um, and what have you found goes over? Uh, we were shocked. We invited seniors to something we called the Senior Sip, where they were going to learn about all kinds of different wines. And our registration numbers were terrible. And we were like, Gus, like, we're going to give you wine and you're going to learn about wine. And why aren't you coming? Um, not that <laughs> not that wine is, is necessarily a life skill. Um, but hey, it could be helpful. What are some of the, uh, the topics that you've found that seniors are really interested in? Yeah, and I think it depends on obviously the student population. And Northwestern is very much career focused. So obviously our career programming is always pretty successful with students. But as far as the life skills, um, for seniors specifically, I do a networking etiquette event, which has, it was more popular at the beginning. I think I've been kind of changing the format up and need to just go back to the original one um, and the original speaker. Um, we've done informational interviews, which wasn't just senior specific, but was kind of geared towards seniors and juniors, where they got the opportunity to do an informational interview with alumni um just to learn more about their career path and find out what they did with their major and so on um, financial literacy is a big one um that i think is gaining popularity and i've expanded out so we one program that existed before me um, was an alumnus of our business school who would come to campus and um his talk was living beyond paycheck to paycheck and he has a book under that name um and would give a presentation a lot of it on kind of making sure you save money for retirement early um, kind of how to spend your money wisely, things like that. Um, I've expanded it out. I now actually have um, an alumna who speaks about my, kind of the same thing, like savings, um, but a little bit more basic and kind of how to make your paycheck, what to divide it into, how much of your percentage should be spent on living costs, that kind of thing. And then also I have another alumna who came last year and is coming this year to speak about benefits. So um, a lot of these programs are based on things that I know I knew nothing about in Wisconsin. I had to like call my parents like after the benefits presentation and be like, what's, you know, what's an HMO? Like what's the difference between that and a PPO? Um, so she did an awesome presentation that was on kind of like what all these terms mean and giving you advice on kind of what makes the most sense for a young person and also talking mostly health benefits, which I think are the most confusing, but also talking about retirement benefits and how to save that and how to kind of figure out what each term means, that kind of thing. Um, so those have become a little bit more popular. I'm always trying to expand that series and it's become a great partnership with our Office of Financial Aid actually. So they help promote some of them and make sure some of their um, students from their population are making, are know about them and are coming. Um, 
I would say our most popular is our rental presentation. So mm -hmm. I have realtors from different cities around the country, either via webinar or in person, talk about um, the rental market in that city. So our two biggest are New York and Chicago. Um, and so they talk about the different neighborhoods and kind of what to expect to pay in those neighborhoods. The most important thing I think is they talk about the process. So how soon you can start looking, which is always way later than students think. They're like, oh, I can start looking for an apartment now. I'm like, no, you have to show up in New York like two weeks before you move there and look for an apartment and sign it like that day. Um, so that kind of thing and all the paperwork that you have to have ready in order to be able to sign a lease as kind of a young person. So I think those have been popular. We did a cooking class for a couple of years. I cut that this year because there's, there's not a way to open it up to enough people to make it, I think, valuable enough, but they're really popular. So if people are interested in doing that, it's kind of basic life skills that we partnered with our campus dining um, office on and kind of learning how to make quick, easy meals when you get home from a long day of grad school or work or whatever. So those how are some of the students I register for the is registration through IMODS for these or are you having them register in, in a different yeah. way? Yeah, I have them registered through that. So they're already kind of becoming familiar with iModules through that, through all of our student events, um, which I think is good because it'll look the same when they graduate and they're being invited to alumni events. So they kind of have an idea of how that works. Um, and they can maybe end up elsewhere on our website while they're there. Um, so I think um, that, yeah, that's helpful. And we're collecting registrations for all of these. It's all tracked, so it's all in their record and you can kind of see what they've been to. Yeah. Awesome. awesome. Anything, Anything on your side, Bobby, or your to add to that thing about the lifestyle programming, right? Trying back on the you know young alumni side, trying to teach financial literacy. Or, I mean, I graduated from school 11 years ago, and I still don't know what an HMO or PPO are. So that might be effective for for me to go to it. <laughs> no alumni I'm, about that. I let Caitlin work on that stuff. So um, she she does such a good job with those programs that um, that uh, there's. I mean, we don't limit it necessarily to our seniors and to right. the zero year alumni. Like our populations bleed together. Um, frequently, so um, there's no proprietary um, hold over either of our populations. And I would say one point I kind of didn't mention, but that I was thinking about earlier today is there's not, and you were mentioning it with like the low attendance or registrations, like there's not really a secret to it. I think it's hard selling them on this, especially for us, like they're very, they think they're ready for this and they think like living off campus means they're ready for like the real world or whatever, which I don't agree with. Um, so it's really hard selling that, but I think the key is finding ways to express their value. But I think the big thing is offering them at a time of the year when they're thinking about it. So all the financial literacy programs are in May. So it's the month before they graduate and they're all like in panic mode. So it's like, or they're getting their official job offers and having to like make those decisions about their benefits. Um, and the rental presentations we do in April usually. So it's kind of when they like think they can start looking for apartments, but they can't actually, but it's on their mind. So I think it's making them relevant for the time of the year that they should be thinking about these things. And that's kind of how I try and draw them in. It's like, oh, you're panicking about this. Here's some helpful information. <laughs> Don't panic anymore. Come. <laughs> that's perfect. All right. Well, any uh, any final thoughts on this topic, either from Caitlin or Bobby or Mirko? So many great ideas and, and hearing from a lot of folks who've been watching uh, who are like, I'm going to start this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to try this. So. Um, that's what that's what we always do. We can share each other's ideas and and not compete because we all have different populations, which is the very coolest thing about the work that we do. But anything anything last little bit to add that you don't think we touched on for any of you? Just one more thing comes to mind. Uh, 
which again, Northwestern's already doing, but we've also seen that schools send the first uh, alumni communication, quote unquote, to students while they're still on campus. And those open rates are significantly higher uh, than after they graduate. So it's an opportunity, again, if you're not doing that now, think about that first communication and get them while they're still on campus. They will open your email, just like they'll give you their cell phone number, um, their, their non-school email address. A lot of things that you might not think they would commit to giving. At this point, they're ready to graduate. They want to get out. Um, you can make have it seem like anything that this is something that they must do to Caitlin's point earlier or should do before graduation. They'll fill out any form you want, um, which is great. Uh, but definitely take advantage of that and, and try to at least send that first communication while they're still on campus. It also gets them used to your alumni branding if that's different from the institutional branding. And then they're going to be more likely to open those communications once they graduate as well. One thing that I would mention um, that I think is important is um, really stressing to your alumni that um, their communication that they get from the institution is truly up to them, um, whatever that might be. Um, so if they don't like to get solicitations via email or phone call solicitations, that all they have to do is tell us. And I mean, certainly we don't want them to go necessarily, but we understand that we'd rather not be sending emails or calling them if that's not something that resonates with them. Right. Um, so continuously stressing that to our alumni in person whenever we can or via email, um, I think that that's been effective for encouraging them to engage with our communication a little more thoroughly um, rather than just painting it all with one brush and saying like, I don't want to hear anything. Um, letting them know that they can tailor their experience um, allows for our communications to be more relevant to them. Awesome. Perfect parting words uh, from Bobby at Northwestern. Well, to you and to Caitlin and to Mirko, and as we all approach May and welcoming, or June if you're Northwestern, uh, and welcoming so many seniors into our alumni family, I want to thank everybody who tuned in today to iModules for sponsoring this episode. Uh, oh, I'm seeing a tweet on the Higher Ed Live hashtag. Is it a final question? No, it must be someone who works with um, with you guys. A girl named Lauren who says she has the best coworkers, or could be Mirko's coworker. I don't know. Um, but shout out to Lauren for for giving a little love to her coworkers. Um, thank you to all of you who participated on Twitter, to the fifty folks who watched us live today, uh, and to my three guests on this episode for. I was like writing down all these ideas, so I'm excited to uh, to put them into action, and really appreciate all of you being part of the episode. Have a great one, guys. Thank you, you too.